This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles, on the Rockstar Radio Network. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it, how to identify and avoid publishing predators, what opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms, how to avoid losing money, and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Today is going to be Robin Kalushi. She's known as the Get Published Coach, and she actually helps other coaches and speakers and consultants write their books to increase both their income, their impact, and really become really credible experts. She's worked with a variety of clients from Random House to Doubleday to Hay House and others, won lots of awards, created bestsellers. And what Robin's background, what she brings to the party, is she actually was a newspaper reporter. And I'll tell you why that's so strong and positive. is because, and I know I learned this as writing a column for 10 years that I did with the business journals, that there is a different way to write and connect when you have to go in a hurry, when you have to get that, uh, make that impact, where you have to hook the reader and bring them in. And that's really what, is evolved to today's writing. You don't have to the the luxury to write an idea out in perpetuity and then drop the hook in. Nah, you got to do it really early on in the game. So Robin was a newspaper reporter. She also was an acquisition editor, and she has both a degree in journalism and spiritual psychology. Her book is going to be out later this year, and it's called How to Write a Book That Sells You, which sounds like a great idea to me. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm so thrilled to be here, Judith. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I should tell our listeners, Robin and I played um, over the past weekend at at our jointly favorite bookstore called The Tattered Cover in Denver, Colorado. And we uh, we did a program about you know, creating your platforms and creating game plan. And then we did a version of our author shark tank. And one of the things that came out of the author shark tank is the consistent misunderstanding of authors that they don't get how to succinctly say who they are, what their book's about and who it's for. Would you agree? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. And it's a it, huge handicap. Oh, it's 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 gigantic, and it and it's worse than having all your teeth pulled at the same time without anesthetic. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you know, it's interesting because I think when when you ask an author what what who are you and what's your book about, I think that especially an inexperienced one, the first thing that they think is, okay, I'm going to first give you my life story, and then I'm going to tell you everything that's in the book, and that's not the question that got that was asked. It's not really answering the question that was asked. No, and, and so the bottom line is, next time we do this, we have to all be sharks and ruthless and cut them off right, not only at the knees, probably at the mouth. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, it's for their own good because the fact is if you, if you were trying to pitch a book 
to a literary agent to get representation, or you just wanted it carried by your local bookstore, you can't answer that question with a 30-minute narrative. You know, you've got to be able to tell them quickly, succinctly, what's the book about, and why should we believe in you as the author? That's it. Exactly, and they, and do it very, very quickly. I, I think quickly. My, what, yeah, and one of the things that helped me certainly get to that point a lot sooner than what most people did is because I did so much television work. And when yeah. you do TV segments, you know, three minutes <laughs> is a long time. Yes. You know, and it's so great what you said in the intro about the journalism background because it's absolutely true. It's like, you know, a lot of my training was learning to think in headlines and learning to listen for, you know, when somebody, when I would be interviewing somebody, I always had to be listening for the real story. You know, what was the, out of all the information they were sharing with me in the interview, what was that thing that was going to get the attention of the reader who was going to read that newspaper article in the next morning? Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of listening like you had in television. Mm-hmm. And and I know that, uh, I mean, I've certainly said it too, that you can spend two hours like with a reporter, and my God, they, they quote you and you get one or two sentences. Well, if you would learn to get those nuggets out really early on, it wouldn't probably last for two hours. Um, and you probably would have had a lot more copy in the process. That's true. Yeah, more more words doesn't necessarily help you. It's about getting the clarity across as quickly as you can, and then you actually get a chance to share more. Well, and it's it's something, Robin, I have said many times that authors get stuck with what I call paragraph perpetuity, and my God, they let them go on forever, <laughs> and that writing, as you did as a reporter, and I also did as a columnist for 10 years, is I really got into my head, there was true value in a one-sentence paragraph. It was all you needed to say. You're complete. It's done. And also, those one-word sentences absolutely had immense power. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can just, you know, one of those terms I use a lot is let's just bottom line this. You know, what is the point that you're trying to get to? Because we can bury the point in a lot of excess words and, and actually miss the point entirely. And yeah. they don't get that. that and, and so that really does talk into, I, I said, well, so let's, let's pretend I'm a brand new author, Robin, and I'm just uh-huh. coming in the door and I don't, you know, I am totally, I am Clara Clueless. So okay. I, I, I have no idea what's going on. And so what would, what would be some of the normal hiccups that you would expect Clara Clueless to bubble up with? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones that I see over and over and over again, and you'll have to tell me if you see this with your people too, Judith, but one of the things that I see is that people have, have, they understand it's a valuable information that they have, and they also probably have a pretty good idea of what their target audience needs to know to move forward or overcome an issue that they're struggling with or whatever that book topic's about. But what they haven't really considered yet is what does their audience already know it wants. And you can't just come at people and tell them what they need to know because they don't care what you have to say yet until you've 
shown them that you're an access point to what they already know that they want. So one of the things that may be also important with that, because that's really an important word, a sentence, and I think people, our listeners need to chew on it a little bit, mm-hmm. is that when you tell them, you know, what, you, you need to really determine what the audience already knows what they want, because a lot of our experts, almost any expert, it's just not yours and mine, a yeah. lot of a lot of experts assume they know and they really are the clear or clueless. That's right. And they assume that they that the that the person listening already knows that they need the information, but they probably don't. If they knew what they needed, they wouldn't have the problem. Exactly. All they know is they want the pain to stop. Exactly. Whatever the pain is. Right. And you don't get to tell them how to stop the pain. Until you make it clear that you know that they that that's what they want. Mm-hmm. How important, Robin, when you're working with someone, is it for for you to really um, understand, have a real good inkling and understanding what it is the author is talking about or trying to talk about? Or? Well, I think it's vitally important, and, and that's that's the big thing that comes out of the coaching is I'm when I, when I because a lot of times. When, when people are, are trying to put into words ideas that they implement in their everyday work, ideas that are so close to them, in many cases they, know, they understand intuitively and they've never articulated to anyone. But what, what I, what a big part of my role is to listen for the essence of what they're saying and then draw forward what the real meaning is of what they're trying to say. Because a lot of times, the first time somebody tries to explain something, they're not actually describing what they mean. They're just using the words they already have access to, like the ideas that they've already verbalized. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, their best stuff is the next layer down. It's in the essence of what they didn't say. And a big part of my job is to help them get put words to that. Mm-hmm. And here's something else I've discovered. I, I'm uh, I'm working actually with a coach um, who has a, a really impeccable reputation, and she dictated. I just got it, get her on Dragon Speak because I just couldn't mm-hmm. nail her down. So far, I just just vomited out. Just get it yeah, out, sure, so we can see it. And it, it and when I told her, now look it over. It's always a shock for people to see. How they talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always, always a shock. And, yeah. and, and then start putting it together. And one of the things after our, our uh, early Saturday morning session that we just had, um, and we work in two-hour uh, splotches as we write together, but one of the things that came out was that she's finding her thinking method far more succinct now and yeah. more articulate because she's gone through this process, and they Absolutely. don't do it. Yeah, and when you go through the process, and this is what a lot of people don't realize, you go through the process of writing a book. I see this happen with my clients over and over and over again. It gives you access to describe and share about the value that you bring to the conversation in every conversation that you have, whether it's a speech that you're giving, a sales conversation with a prospective client, 
a coaching conversation with one of your existing clients, you get access to the ability to communicate that because there's nothing like having to put it in writing, right? There's nothing more clarifying, <laughs> I think, than having to actually write it down so that you feel confident that someone who's not sitting in the room with you can get what you meant. Mm-hmm. And and I know that for our our listeners who really do make their living with their mouth and they speak, mm-hmm. that what you have to be really careful about is that whether you're a keynoter, um, which is meaning you could give anywhere from a 30 to maybe a 90-minute succinct talk, is that you have to be really so Johnny on the spot or or Jane on the spot here. Right. Because that your audience isn't going to be so forgiving. For those of you who are trainers and workshop leaders, that there is a lot of forgiveness because you can, you can screw up. <laughs> you can as a keynoter. <laughs> Um, that you can backtrack, you can do that, you can um and awe ah it sometimes, and, and you can take a pause while you think, oh my God, where am I at this point? Um, you, you do have a lot more forgiveness where you don't, and what Robin, what I'm hearing her say is, you don't have this chance when someone says, tell me about your book. No, you don't. I mean, you said it beautifully in the beginning that you have just a few seconds to get someone's attention. And I found in my experience, the fastest way to get someone's attention is to let them know that you can help them get something they want. Assuming that you've listened and you you haven't... Yeah, I mean, and whatever your expertise is, if you're writing, I mean, obviously, that's if you have a business and you're providing mm-hmm. a service, you're, you probably are aware of what your, the people that you most want to work with want. Oh, terrific. All right, we're going to take yeah. a quick break. We'll be right back with Robin Colucci, who is known as the Get Published Coach. And we're talking about a lot of the beginning of what we both see with new authors that are a little green and also with some old-time authors who don't re- need to realize that they need to change maybe some of their ways. This is your guide to book publishing. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being good with If you already have a book out, You'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author U today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author U on Twitter at Author U and on Facebook at Author U, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author U, where the author goes to become seriously successful.
sell stuff? Do you want to sell books? Lots of them? If yes, you must take credit cards, the most widely used form of payment today. The Free Terminal has created a special program for your guide to book publishing listeners. No contract, all equipment is free. Extremely low rates and no termination fees ever. Contact Alan Dean at Alan at thefreeterminal.com or call him at 303-668-6828. The Free Terminal has handled all credit card transactions for both Author U and Judith for over a year. Don't wait another day. Contact Alan at thefreeterminal.com or call 303-668-6828 and tell him you want the no-contract Author U deal. Every picture tells a story, and it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover. Nick Selinger and NZ Graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors, independent and traditional publishers for years. He has developed a reputation for excellent work, fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces ebooks and book marketing materials such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards including Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival Award, and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics.com or call 303-985-4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ, friend of Judith's, and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Alright, so we're talking about putting it all together and, and really making an impact. And on someone when you first meet them. And we're not talking about what Robin and I do, but what you do as the mm-hmm. author, whether you're at the very beginning stages or your book is ready to birth and you're so excited you could hardly stand it, or your book is really out and it's starting to get maybe a buzz, or maybe that book is out and it's maybe a little limp. So <laughs> what, which, which is what we will see more than we'd like to say. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think when um, one of the big problems I see when a book is falling flat, and, and I see this happen with a lot of people, because I, as you know, it happens with you too, I mean, people come to me a lot who have books done and out and didn't come talk to someone like you or me first, right, and they're disappointed with the results they're getting with the book. And in almost every case, it's the same story. They got an idea for a book. They started writing. They finished writing. 
They put it together, and then as the book comes off the printer, they say to themselves, I wonder who's going to read this. (laughs) Mom. (laughs) Right? I wonder, how am I going to market this? And, you know, you're laughing because you and I both know, and it's a tragic laugh, by the way, because you and I both know that they're asking the question in the wrong order. These are questions that should have been asked before they started writing. Who's going to read the book? Why are they going to read the book? What am I going to do with the book when it's out? Mm-hmm. How am I going to use the book to help me get what I want in my career, in my business, in my life? How, how is the book going to help other people? How, all those questions, what, what makes my book unique in the market? All these questions need to be asked before you start writing or you end up I mean, in the past, I mean, before print on demand, you end up with a truckload of books backed up into your garage on a pallet, and they never go anywhere. Now, today, the the one you know one one uh, innovation has made it so that maybe you just have a box of books <laughs> because because of print on demand, but it's the same problem. You know, if you if you go forward before you've really reflected on those fundamental questions you're really setting yourself up for a disappointment. And it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. I mean, marketing does start from the moment you really start writing your book. And as, as I've said that, and going back to your first statement, you know, who is the reader out there? Mm-hmm. And that as the author, you really need to envision whether you are pounding away on your computer um, and creating your copy, whether you do it because you like to write it long-handed and you need to feel those words, which which some authors mm-hmm. absolutely do. Sure. Whether you are dictating it, that mm-hmm. I just want you to imagine looking up and across for you from you is your reader. Who is that person? And yeah. that's who you have to go looking for, and you connect with, and you reach out to. And that's, that's the thing that they, they seem to forget um, yeah. time and time again. So when we have a book that's flat or limp and it, it's coming out the door, they've got to go back to the basics. The great news, I think, Robin, today is that books, um, books have such a far better chance of becoming what we call evergreen than yes. they've ever had before because, I mean, you and I come from New York. Mm-hmm. And that if a book didn't if a book didn't click in a few weeks, you're like uh, on the floor. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, absolutely. It's, they would pull everything. A, yeah, and they do, yeah. and they did, and and yeah. it used to be it used to be when I first started publishing, and I I, can't, I don't know what years you were with New York because I was with New York from during the '80s, uh-huh. and that you had about a six week window to before they threw in the towel on you. Now, it's my understanding, it's just a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, the publishing industry is just, it's just gone, it's going through probably the biggest transition since the printing press was invented. You know, I mean, it, nobody knows where it's going to land. Everybody is confused and upside down. But there's one thing, there's, there's some trends that have become absolutely clear that are probably here to stay. And it's not even, you can't even just blame the publishing industry because there's fundamental things that have changed in how books are marketed effectively 
that are completely beyond the publishing industry's control and they're finally waking up to. And that's really the fact that the promotion of a book is up to the author. And I don't care who publishes it, if it's Simon & Schuster or yourself or a book packager, it's on the author. And nobody should make any mistake about this because even with a big publishing house and the resources that they have, because of social media, no one is in a better position to to promote an author's book than the author because you can't in the in the old days Judith when you and I were working you know with the bigger publishing houses mm-hmm. you they would take out a, if they believed in you they'd take out a full page ad in the New York Times newspaper to promote your book or in the New York Times you know in the New York Review of Books to promote your book well guess what nobody buys books based on an ad anymore mm-hmm. nobody believes just cuz you paid for an ad space that that means your book is worthwhile People believe they're friends. People believe people on Amazon who've reviewed your book and said they enjoyed your book and your book consistently gets five stars. That's why people buy books. And the publishing industry has no control over that. The author is the one who's in the position to create that kind of a buzz. There's nothing your publisher can do that would be as powerful as what you can do through social media. Well, and I and I think that that's really critical and important that they that they understand that I wrote a blog just a couple of weeks ago about uh, I'm doing going through the top three myths of marketing and the mm-hmm. very the very first one is that myth that if I go with New York because that's what they they want that's the reason why they go with New York is that they'd rather frankly stick their head in the ground <laughs> and either keep writing on and be a kept author. Mm-hmm. And the reality is it ain't going to happen. Um, even Dan Brown works his butt off to support his books. Even J.K. Rowling works her butt off to That's support right. her books. So, and, and another thing is that, you know, I have close friends who are New York Times bestselling authors who are writers by, you know, in their career. They're not also coaches and consultants. But, but they all have jobs because because you, <laughs> book sales in that way, just counting on the book sales and the royalties, they can't support themselves on it. They either teach writing or they write for someone else as a staff writer. But, you know, it's a, it's a complete illusion to think that you're just going to sit back and collect royalty checks while someone else promotes your books for you. No, you do it, and and I, I'm actually a believer that the single best way to move your books is through speaking, learning how to speak Absolutely. about your topic and get out there, and you move them in mass. Oh, you move them, in, and you do move them in mass. And, and well, I you, that, you have a, you put up, I mean, you generously put up your balance sheet on Saturday when we were at the Tattered Cover together mm-hmm. and really showed people um, how, how much you, re- you can make selling books mm-hmm. in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and and just to and share you that, didn't even put in no. what you've made in consulting. No, no, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's where the money is, people. It's not in your royalty checks. <laughs> no, but I I will say that in the um, it, when I started doing this tracking and and it, I started tracking in 1987, mm-hmm. and and through last the last year. 
that that I I do have you know over three million dollars in gross book sales. Now, if I was, and this is for you know multiple titles, if I was uh, with a New York house and didn't create my own publishing house in mm -hmm. two thousand, that amount would be dramatically less. Well, exactly because it would be based on royalties. And so what Robin and I are actually working with, I don't know what percentage you work with authors who really the game plan is to hit New York. My percentage is very small. No, I don't, um, I don't even do it that way. I just have a flat consulting fee, and, you know, they keep whatever they earn from their books. But oh, no. Oh, no, I would, I would absolutely say that. But I'm just saying when yeah. I work with authors... Their goal is to say, I, you know, I want to get my book eventually to an agent, and I want to mm -hmm. get it sold, and I get yeah. that. So I don't care. I don't really care. Oh, what percentage of people go. you work with? I see what nah, you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh no. I, I would, would never okay. I would. Yeah, I would say maybe a third of the people I work with decide to go the traditional route, and the rest self-publish. But I really look at it like it's a strategic business decision. Yes, it is. There are some reasons to go with a bigger, bigger house. And sometimes it's worth it, but, you know, for, for, I'd say for the majority of coaches and consultants and speakers, it's probably not worth it. And if, and for, for the, the number one reason being timing, because the process of <laughs> pitching to agents, getting the book proposal, um, well, first getting, getting the book proposal, pitching to agents, getting the agent, having the agent shop the work, getting the offers from the publishing houses, negotiating the contract, finalizing the contract, getting the book on the calendar, it is not unusual for it to take two to three years to actually see that book in print. It's not unusual at all. And for a lot of us, what it would cost us, what's it, what it's costing to not have that book in circulation, to not be able to call yourself a published author, to not be able to say, yeah, here's my book, invite me to speak, that is costing you way more than any advance you'd get on royalties from a publisher in many so, cases. So, so, Robin, before we take our next break, we have, we're about a minute away, what are the advances these days? What, what's going on in the year 2013? that you're well, seeing? I mean, the, the trend is that the advances are lower, which is one of the reasons yes. why agents' percent, percentages have gone up. It's still, I mean, authors are still getting large advances, um, you know, six- and seven-figure advances, even first-time authors, but it all comes down to platform. Mm -hmm. So the authors with the biggest platforms are going to get the biggest advance, not the best writers, not the ones with necessarily the best information, but the ones who the publishers feel confident are going to be able to move books. Those are the ones who are going to get the biggest advances, especially for first-timers. So the bigger the bigger the followers you have in Google and 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 Facebook and all those, yeah. that's going to be tied in with dollars. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's and and blog let's readers and yeah and yeah, speakers and blog yeah. readers. Huge. And media, right. yep. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. All right, we'll be right back. We're talking money. We're talking publishing with Robin. This is your guide to book publishing. 
everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing, Judith Bryles, we will provide you a discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So money is big for a lot of people, but when, as Robin said um, on your guide to book publishing that one of the chief reasons why you would not want to go with New York is just old-fashioned timing, mm-hmm. and that if you're in a situation, your, your book is so topical, so hot, I mean, it's sizzling on your fingertips, that being with a New York or a close-to-hybrid isn't going to be the the path you're going to take. It's going to be a it, mistake. It, it might not be. I mean, but on the other hand, if you have a topic that's highly controversial, um, a lot of times this can be in uh, groundbreaking groundbreaking medical research or po- po- politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some really hot sort of dicey topics. 
you might you, you would you will be much better off if you have a traditional publisher behind you because it's going to be harder for people to dismiss you as a quack or a you know a of miscreant or, you know, anything that would have you discredited, right? <laughs> um, and, and so when you, when you have a big publishing house behind you, if you, if you, you know, one of the times, like I have clients I've worked with who, um, are coming forward with some information that is, um, you know, <laughs> Could really uh, shake some things up in our in our political system and our healthcare system, and I have advised those clients to uh, go the the traditional route because first of all, it's it's easier to get access to some of the bigger shows um, when you when you have a major you know traditional house behind you. And although it's not impossible, and I know lots of people who've been on the big shows without it, but it is easier. And and then it's also you know, when those, there's still that extra bit of clout that when a traditional house is standing behind you saying, yeah, we, we're backing this information, it is harder to just dismiss you out of hand. So they'll pay attention when it comes in is what mm -hmm. you're saying. Exactly. All right, and, and that's, that's imperative. But also, I'm going to tag on to, if you do have something so groundbreaking that if it, it's going to take 18 months to a year, two years, et cetera, that groundbreaking could be a yawn by that time. And that's well, why yeah, you've got to consider the timing, absolutely. And, you know, when one of the things that drives me nuts, if I'm, you know, sometimes when I'm working with somebody like this, they've got such a big life and they've, they've got such a big platform and so much going on, sometimes it's hard to get them to focus on writing the book. And by the time they get around to it, it is, it is old news, you know? Yeah, and that's, that's, that is a killer for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. They, they don't realize that. All right, so what else um, would get attention of a New York publisher, and then we'll jump off of New York, besides having a gazillion people who will rush to the store to buy your book? Well, that's, that's the thing that, I mean, look, they're a business, and they got to make money, and they figured out that the greatest, the, the number one predictor of book sales for nonfiction is going to be the size and strength of the author platform. Mm -hmm. So for them, that removes a lot of the question, a lot of the gamble. I would say beyond that, it's having a relevant topic, having a fresh look at something, um, and you know, writing in an area uh, that there's a lot of interest, but maybe it's not so overcrowded. Um, you know, for example, the self-help genre is really noisy. So if you yeah. want to get a book published traditionally in the self-help genre, you better have the platform because there's, you know, everyone's a self-help guru these days, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but if, if you're writing about something that's fresh and relevant but maybe not so overdone um, or maybe there, it's been a long time since there's been an important book written in that area, um, but it's still an area that is of interest to people, uh, that can definitely help. All right, and then what about fiction? Fiction, it just comes down to writing quality and quality of the story. That's a and, great story. And, but I'm going to add something because there's more and more, they're looking for platform and fiction writers now. And mm -hmm. I can, I, I, I will bet, I mean, I will stand on this prediction that it's going to be more and more essential and there's going to come a time where you're not going to be able to get published as a fiction writer without 
already having a blog site up and a following. Even if the book's well written, it's, it, because it's there are ways again because of social media that you can connect with your audience now as a fiction writer, um, even though you know you might be writing in a genre and your readers might have nothing else in common but they like your genre. But because people are finding books on Google and they're finding reviews online, you can write reviews about other books in your genre and draw people who like to read books in your genre to your website that way. And because it can be done, I promise you publishers are going to start to expect that it be done. Yeah, I think I think that is an expectation. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I get back uh, from a lot of publishers, literally, is that if you do get an advance, I mean, number overall, the general advances are down. Although there's some, as you said, there's some swingers that come in and really get sure. a hefty advance. Um, but it is the exception, not the rule. Absolutely. And, and so, if you're walking in, if you're walking in, if your goal is one to publish with New York and your expectation is that you're going to walk away with a 100,000-plus figure, you need to take a shower. And, and, <laughs> well, and... if you, yeah, if, <laughs> if you, if you're not a household name or yeah. you have, I mean, you know, I can think of there's a, uh, some recent New York Times bestsellers, I have a little inside information on, you know, they got a very big advance, but they had the proof. They went in there, they had their promotion plan, it was solid, they had a lot of big names attached to it, and they got the seven-figure advance, but it is absolutely the exception. But if you have it together, you can get it, but you better have it together, like tight. And they delivered, they were a New York Times bestseller the first week out. And Well, the other thing is that you've got to, in, in doing that kind of thing, that, that that plan means how you really are going to push it. And here's, here's, here's the other mistake I see authors make all the time, is that they, their ego wants a book in a bookstore. They want, their, they want to be able to say, I'm on the shelf at XYZ store. Mm-hmm. And what authors have got to get is that, that you have to, one of your jobs is to drive people to bookstores to buy books. That's if right. If that's, <laughs> if that's where you're going to use as your avenue to push them, you don't push them to your website. You push them to that bookstore because they're a partner now of yours. That's right. If you want people, if you want your books in bookstores, encourage your audience to buy book, the book in the bookstore. But, you know, if you look at the where the actual book trade is taking place, the majority of it's taking place on Amazon. And... You know, if if you had to choose one place to be, that's where you need to be because that's where people are buying books. They can get them in one click. You know, they can get them shipped to them for free. They don't have to go to the bookstore and worry if it's going to be in stock or not. They're probably going to get a better price. If they have a Kindle, they're going to download it to their Kindle or their phone or whatever right away. And, you know, people with Kindles buy more books than people without Kindles. So it's a good thing that we have people who have Kindles. They buy a lot more books every year because they're not lugging them around in their suitcase all the time. And, and, and you know, what, yeah, but don't drive them to your website if you want to be number one on Amazon either. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is that it, you'll find it it's easier when you don't have to ship them all the time. 
But but the also sure. the truth is that oh, there's a lot of times where I've downloaded an electronic book and I found out that this is not working. I've got to get the print book, so I ended up buying two books. That's right. That's and right. Th- that's common. And I remember a talk that Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, had said is they're finding that a lot of their customers buy both versions. Yes. So. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's a huge boon for the publishing industry, I think, to have the uh, these uh, portable e-readers. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it huge is. boon. I think a lot more. I mean, you know, you just look at it. People are. It's freed people up because they don't have to worry about where they're going to put all the books or how they're going to. You know, I mean, people are mobile now. They move a lot more, and moving books is right. Every time I move, it's like. I love my books, but a lot of them don't make the move. Cause <laughs> I know. Well, I think it's appropriate to do a clean out and share those. Right? And I, I had a donate very, them to the library, right? Yes, <laughs> what I do, um, and I have a I have a very extensive li- personal library. But mm-hmm. when I when I came out of doing the training I used to do for business and conflict resolution, I literally moved all those books out and donated them. Yeah, uh, and and took care of it that way. But Robin, here's what I'd like to talk about. We've got yeah. uh, we've got another segment. We've got a couple more minutes here. But I'd like to start focusing on that. Literally, we are halfway through 2013, and yeah. that for anyone who is doing writing right now, the odds are your book is not going to be out this year because there is fine tuning that has to be done. Absolutely. There's editing that has to be done. So let's think forward here a little bit, and let's let's start at the remainder of these last two minutes and then our final segment. Let's start thinking about some strategies for the author who's going to be giving birth in 2014. What should they be thinking about doing? Well, if they're in the writing process and they have not thought about who's going to read the book, they need to stop writing and get that figured out first. Um, but let's assume they've got that part down. Um, I would really say that uh, you want to be you want to be marketing the book already. You want to be out there sharing, um, test you know share share the information, use the content. There's a, there's a number of ways you can use it. A lot of them are revenue generating. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know you, if you if you're writing a how-to book, you might have created an assessment tool. Well, you could be using that now with your clients, or you might have a train the trainer kind of program, and you could you could use excerpts from your book to give to the the people you're training for them to share with their clients uh, the value of what of what they're going to end up teaching. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kinds of ways that you can repurpose the material, and, and it's not just about repurposing it for the revenue, but when you get that material out there, you have an opportunity to get great feedback on how effectively you're communicating the content. Like, I, you know, my book's a how-to, so I utilized chapters from my book to teach a, a, a jumpstart your book course a few, a, you know, a few times, and I, it was great for me because I had this opportunity to give people the handout, which give them specific instructions on what to do, and then mm-hmm. see what they did. All right, and then with that, we're going to come right back, and we'll talk about this repurposing, and we're going to also talk about how do you do this 
uh, just exactly what Robin's talking about because it does make a difference. And what it does is allow you to build an incredible following that they can hardly wait to get their hands on your book. This is your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Riles. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Browse will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Browse is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today, 303-885-2207. That's 303-885-2207 or email her at judith at bryles.com. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd. At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based ebooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, so last segment. Um, and, you know, when, when is your book coming out, Robin? Uh, the fall. We don't have a specific date yet. Yeah, but you're done, right? I am done. You're done. I'm waiting. Always- on, we're doing cover design now. 
Ah, well, that's that's always big. Yeah. That, that's always and and are you going to publish it yourself? Um, I'm actually partnering with Archway. Ah, so you're getting in bed with Author Solutions. Oh my God. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I didn't. Um, I didn't buy any of their marketing crap because I mean. You know, I just wanted the packaging. And also, um, I met with the, CEO, the CFO of Simon & Schuster mm-hmm. and had a talk with him about, you know, their vision for Archway. And um, I feel like there's a the synergy there as far as, you know, what Simon & Schuster is trying to do. Mm. As far as, um, you know, having this uh, mm-hmm. a true hybrid model and wanting to bring, and, and so far, Judas, they've been tremendous. They have oh, been good. fantastic. Oh, but I would right. not advise people to buy that extra marketing package. That's oh, where they oh get God. you. The oh, fundamental publishing package is very reasonable, and they've been very, very professional. The, the editor was excellent. So, oh, so well, far, good. so good. Yeah, right, I've been well, let's, very... Let's come back. Yeah, we're not, okay. we're not on the air. Yeah, right yeah, now. another thing. Okay. <laughs> Cut that all out. All right, so three, yeah. two, one. All right, so we're talking about some strategies that the author can do for 2014. And one of the things that Robin said that was really spot on, if you're writing, stop right now and ask this question, who is this book for? Yeah. <laughs> and, and be really clear on yeah. it. And, it. and what is it they need? That would be right. the second well, question. Well, what do they want? What do they know they want? What do they know so, that they want? Another way to look at it is, who's the book for and why would they read it? Why would they say, oh, this is a good book for me? It, it, it's got to connect with what they already know that they want. They, they want something. What exactly. is it? And make sure yeah. you deliver. And you have to really get it. Well, that goes back to for nonfiction. You're solving their pain or they're giving you an mm-hmm. answer or a solution or... or yeah. And, I mean, look, it, it fits with fiction, too. You know, if, if your reader wants a thriller and you give them a romance novel, That's they're not going to be happy. Yeah, no. And if you, and if you give them a romance, and if you give them a thriller, <laughs> and what they're in is just for a humorous laugh, they're not going to be happy either. Exactly. So, so you've got to be really attuned to what your reader knows it wants and, okay. and write accordingly and don't be doing weird stuff like blending genres and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want a memoir, they're going to read a memoir. If they want a how-to self-help book, they're going to buy that. Don't make your memoir a self-help book. That's a big one I see. All right. So where is a lot of the book pollution out there? If you were going to write in, and because this is a strategy for marketing, if you've got, like, like you mentioned earlier, that the, the self-help, Market is it's a huge market. It is a yeah. huge market, but there is a lot of players in it. Yes. So where you know how do they determine if they're on if they're on the the cusp? Is there a way that they could do some testing to find out which way they might want? Maybe they can shift or go into. Um, and how would you go about suggesting they do an assessment on that? Well, I think it's really about. I think what, what I found with people is if you look deeply enough inside what your true message is and what's really aligned with you and not just look at what you think people expect you to say, mm-hmm. that you can come out with something that's cutting edge 
and unique enough to get somebody's attention. Because these days, let's face it, there's information everywhere, and most of it's free. So what people are buying now isn't so much information. They want insight. And insight, the good news is insight is really comes from deeply within each person. And the, the real question is, how can you bring your insight to your audience in a way that's relevant to them? And so they have to figure out what's relevant. Well, if, if you're, if you, you will never miss if you know what your audience knows it wants. And if you are writing nonfiction and you're taking us of writing a book, I would hope that you have at least some clients. And, you know, from talking to them, you ought to have a pretty good idea of what they want. Because they probably told you what they want. Mm-hmm. And as long as your insight connects to what's relevant to their want, then you get the opportunity to give them what they need. All right. So if I was going to take your new book that's coming out mm-hmm. in it's the fall of 2013, which is called How to Write a Book That Sells You, yeah. my immediate instinct would be, ah, this book would show me how to position myself as a kingpin or queenpin yeah. uh, as an expert um, in a industry, in a position, in a fill-in-the-blank, and right. it would also be about how to brand yourself. That's right. Do I have it? Do I have it right? You have it right. Ah, well, see. All right. And so, and here's the thing: my audience, the people I want to reach, are coaches, consultants, and speakers. And what do they know that they want? They want to grow their themselves. business. They mm-hmm. want to have more impact, and they want to be seen as a credible expert. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is all covered in my subtitle. So. I'm speaking, I'm I'm practicing what I preach here. I'm speaking directly into what I know that my ideal target audience knows it wants, right? I could sit there, I could have done a title that would be very cute and share with them some of the really fun bells and whistles I have in my book that I know that they need, but that's not why somebody would buy my book. Another thing I want to briefly point out is when we're titling books now, Mm -hmm. we need to be thinking how Google thinks and not thinking metaphorically and symbolically like we used to. People don't walk down the aisle and happen to have a title catch their eye and go, oh, what's that? Not so much anymore. You'll see very, very few books. Like, I think the only one on the current New York Times bestseller list from a couple weeks ago was David Sedaris about the owls. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, I don't, I can't even remember the title. There's the problem. But it had something to do with owls. And, um, (laughs) and, there you go. And, and, but but it was symbolic. But, but if you look at the titles that are selling, they're, it's telling, it's very specific, and I'm talking about the nonfiction category, but it's very specifically indicating what the reader should expect inside the book. All right, so it really has to say it. Um, and it, well, and, and of course that, that it, you've got so many words. Now you have, your title has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words in it. And that really is a strategy, I'm assuming, yes. on your so- own part. Because that's that quick, that yes. that's that quick, okay, if you're going to do what's going to be the quick search, bang, that will show up. 
Well, the interesting thing is it's actually about syllables. So it's seven words, but the, 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 the key information is it's eight syllables. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, um, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever used this term with you, Judith, but one of the things I've, I admit to readily is that I'm a New York Times bestseller list stalker. Ah. And, what, and I, I peruse the list on a regular basis, and I look at the books that are on it, and I, and I make, I, oh, every time I visit, I have one question in my mind. What do these books have in common? What do they share in common that other books don't? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've noticed, and in any given pick, any week, any week, and my numbers come out within one or two percentage points every week. Mm-hmm. 85% of the best-selling titles on the New York Times bestseller list have six syllables or less. Well, you know, here's I actually pulled up the paperback nonfiction while we're talking. So number uh-huh. one is Proof of Heaven. Number two is Wild. Number three is Outliers. Number four is Unbreakable. Number five is Glass Castle. Number six is Quiet. Number seven is the American Sniper. Number eight is the Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. There's number a long nine one. is How Ch- Children Succeed, and number ten is Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you look at all twenty-five, so right there, it's ninety percent of the ten. Yes. Now, if you look at all twenty-five, you're going to find, on average, eighty-five percent have six syllables or less. Ninety-five percent have eight syllables or less, and you'll have your occasional outlier that has more. Every any week. Okay, so that's a, that's a great tip in yeah. picking your title. You know, can, can keep you it say punchy, punchy, short, yeah. easy to spell, memorable, and of course relevant. Yes, but that also then then brings on to it. I mean, this is a great exercise. Another great writing exercise. I don't know if you've done this, uh, Robin, with your clients, but I do this. I make them get um, uh, uh, movie scripts. Download, you get oh. download free movie scripts so they can study how they're done because a two-hour movie script is, it, is in two hours. Yeah. And you learn to cut, 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 yeah. cut, 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 And, and you ha- yeah, the description is maybe of a whole scene, you know, that could be this massive, holy smokes, impact is in a little paragraph. Yeah. And that's, that's where authors have got to get their act together because they And you know, a brilliant to- thing about your suggestion also is learning how to write dialogue. Yes. Oh, yes. That's brilliant. Yeah. I love that. So doing that. So now let's, let's come back to this title because we do just have two minutes here. But the title, this is a critical point for all of you. Eight syllables or less. Do you yeah. know how powerful that is? Now, if you, uh, you know, fiction comes away with, a, you know, it says a novel. That's, you know, or it could be a romance novel or something like that. But for nonfiction, then, Robin, what's your subtitle on your new book? My subtitle is Increase Your Income, Expand Mm -hmm. Your Impact, and Become a Credible Expert. Okay, so what she's done it in threes, and they all sing. Those three words in each phrase sings, sings. That's right. And it's connected, and that's done done on purpose. I know that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I I worked on the subtitle almost as long as I worked on the book, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. (laughs) But, But what's critical here is that for nonfiction, 
people, you know, she's got their attention. Wait a minute, that sounds like something I'm branding, get myself out there. In fact, I'm an expert, blah, blah, blah. And then she, you can see at what she's exactly talking to, and that's what the critical thing is. My new book, it's called Snappy, Sassy, Salty, Wise Words <laughs> for Authors and Writers. All right, so that's that. But with Robin, we're out of time. We've got just a few seconds. I want to thank you so much for being Thank you for having me, Judith. It's been a, such a pleasure, and I always love talking to you and the way we can bounce ideas off of each other. I really enjoy it. It's great fun. All right, so... Have a fabulous day, all. Remember, the book you write is the one you intend. Make sure it's the right one. This is Judith Bryles. It's your guide to book publishing. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week, a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take you, the author, to the next level. You'll learn tips and secrets on how to create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve book publishing success by making one very simple change in your book's journey. How to avoid the publishing predators. How to create an author and book platform that rocks. Learn how to make a living with your words and your books. Learn how to publish a book that has no regrets and so much more. For more information, check out AuthorU.org, where authors who want to be seriously successful go, and Judith's website, TheBookShepherd.com. Then join us again here next week for more. It's your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles, brought to you by AuthorU and The Book Shepherd, Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, on the Rockstar Radio Network.